Um, well, guys, as I said, uh, it's the beginning of Advent. You'll see that in the bulletin. Uh, Jesus has come as our study. Like I said, these books are for you. Um, they are free, um, especially if you have kiddos in the house. We want you to grab one of those. Um, but uh, this morning, what I want to talk to you about is really what these candles are about. So Advent um, spans four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve, um, and we light four candles, one candle each Sunday. The first candle is, is the candle of hope, and uh, then next week we'll, we'll, write, we'll light the second candle. That's the candle that represents peace. Then the week after that, uh, the candle that represents joy. Uh, the fourth Sunday is the candle that represents love, and then Christmas Eve when we come together, we'll light the center candle, the white candle. Candle, um, which is the Christ candle. And, uh, and so we, we pray that you're with us kind of through all of those things. It, it's a big deal. Uh, so this morning I want to talk to you about the meaning of, of that first candle, right? That candle of hope. And so I've got three things that I want to share with you this morning. And here is the first. I want you to understand that hope, and this is the simplest definition I could give you, that hope is really just a belief that God will, right? Hope is a belief that God will. Uh, and I'll explain that along the way. But it's a belief that God will. It's a belief that God will act. That's hope. It's a belief that God will act. Hope is, is a belief that God will keep his promises. He'll do it, right? Hope is a belief that God will come through. He'll always come through. And it's perfect timing that he's going to show up. That's hope. It's this just belief that God's going to do it. Hope is a belief it's that belief that God will use our current struggles. He'll use our past hurts and trials. He'll use them for his good. It's, just, it, it, it's this belief that it's going to happen. And, and y'all, listen, when, when I say hope, I know what you're thinking, right? Because a lot of you bought Powerball tickets a few weeks ago, right? And you hoped that you would win. And some of you made promises to the Lord. Lord, if I win it, I'm paying off the church. And God bless you for that. Okay? God bless you. for But you could have paid off the church and started about a hundred others. But God bless you for that little thought there. I appreciate that. Uh, but, but, but it's not that kind of hope. It's not that kind of uh, wishy-washy, maybe, uh, you know, like dreamy kind of thing. When we talk about biblical hope, we're talking about something that is secure. It, 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 it's a hope that is so solid in its foundation that you can, you can pretty much just take that to the bank. It, it's a different word than what we're used to when we think of the word hope. Uh, the Apostle Paul, um, when he's talking about this kind of hope, and, and, and it's future-oriented, guys. This is what he writes in Romans 5, 1 and 2. He, he says, listen, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have obtained access through him by faith into this grace which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. He says, man, we, we boast in the hope of the glory. Now, it's future-oriented. That's what's to come. He's saying, listen, man, we're, 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 we're children of God now and, and what we have coming for us, man, we're going to boast about that. We're going to boast about this future glory that Christ is going to bring unto us. But, it, but then he goes on in verse 3 through 5, and he says, and not only that, man, we're also going to boast in our affliction, right? I, I literally just said that, that, that hope is, is a belief that God will use our present trials for good. He says, and not only that, we're going to boast in our affliction, in our, our present trials, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. He says, this hope will not disappoint us. That's security, folks. This hope will not disappoint us. Some of you were disappointed when you woke up 
the day after that person. And like anyone in California needs to win the Powerball. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, I mean, maybe they do. Everything costs more there. I, I don't know. But I, I know you were disappointed. This is, this is a hope that doesn't disappoint. This, this is a hope that doesn't let you down. This is a hope that you can, you can literally stand on and be secure in. He says, listen, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. That's proof that you can trust in that hope, right? In that security. One of the best ways I've heard biblical hope explained was it is future confidence. It's future confidence. Can I ask you this morning, do you have future confidence? I mean, future confidence. Not, not just future, oh, maybe. I mean, future confidence and security, right? That's not how we typically think about it, but that's how the Bible describes it. And this hope in God, this belief in God that he will come through, this confidence in God, uh, I, I want to tell you, it's, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. Listen to how uh, the Apostle Paul describes it later in the book of Romans. Romans 8, 24 and 25. He says, now in this hope we were saved. But hope that seems not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we don't see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. That's what I'm talking about. It's future-oriented security. We can be secure about our future if we are in Christ. And so, so listen, we begin here. Hope is a belief that God will. That's the first thing I want to tell you as we kick off Advent in a moment. We'll light that first candle, the candle of hope. Uh, hopefully, you guys will go home tonight. You'll begin Advent in your home after you join us for Hanging of the Greens, which is where we'll sing our first Christmas song. Some of you saw the lights. You were like, why aren't we singing Christmas music? Because we've got to get you here tonight for Hanging of the Greens. Uh, that's where we kick off our Christmas season. It'll be great. Okay? We'll sing all those uh, carols and we'll go back and eat food because we haven't had enough of that last week. Don't worry, it's finger foods. Those don't count. Uh, uh, uh. So we start here. Hope is a belief that God will. The second thing I want you to know is this, is that all throughout Scripture, the people of God have hoped for a Messiah. All throughout Scripture, the people of God have hoped for a Messiah. And I say all throughout Scripture because it's not just seen in the Old Testament. We tend to think that it was just the Old Testament people that long for a Messiah. But remember that Jesus is born. We, we document that in the New Testament. And, and, and He walks the earth for 30 years and people are still longing for a Savior. They're still longing for, for the Messiah to come. And, and I love how Scripture tells the story. And you say, why, why were they waiting for a Savior? Well, because that's what was promised uh, all the way back in the garden. You guys remember in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve did what they shouldn't have and they, they sinned, they got cast out of the presence of God, they're now going to die. Um, but God made a promise on that very day. And he says, you know what, one is going to come, a descendant from you, Eve, and he's going to crush the head of this serpent. Y'all, listen, I know the devil is, I, I had a funeral yesterday, I got to minister to a family, and I, I've seen personally in their lives how the devil has just used that grief to try to paralyze them. To tell them they're never going to get over it. That life is over. Like those kind of things. And just get to say, like, hey, that's, that's not the end of the story. Right? Because our herd is meant to intersect with heaven. Right? It's always meant, we're always meant to make a turn into Jesus. And go, hey, I, I get to see that person. This wasn't the end of their story. So it can't be the end of my life either. Right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience that grief. I'm going to walk through it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep running the race of perseverance that God has marked out for me. Right? I'm going to do that. And so we got to kind of talk about that. Well, listen, um, that promised Messiah uh, 
was, was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil, who we hate, is going to be defeated. Amen? Anybody ready for that? Yes. Yeah, let's go. Well, guess what? I have, a, I have a little secret. He's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. His head's already been cut off. We just step on it all the time. You've got to watch out after you cut off the head. <laughs> Make sure you don't step on it. We're, we're, we're kind of dumb that way. All right? So we've got to be careful. He's already been defeated. But listen to how the Scripture speaks of this Savior that's coming. Genesis 49 says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, or the staff from between his feet. Ready? Here's, here's the boast of his coming. Until he, whose right it is, comes, and the obedience of the people belongs to him. It's saying, man, there's someone coming, and it's his right to come, and everyone's going to obey him. It's coming. Uh, in the book of Numbers, it says this. It says, I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob. A scepter will arise from Israel. That's that future hope, that future confidence. One is coming. A Messiah is coming, the people in the Old Testament declared. The, the prophet Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, written over 500 years before Jesus is born. They had hope that one was coming to save, right? So when we, we celebrate Advent, Advent is, it literally means coming. That's the translation. The word means coming. But it's a, it's a season of waiting. So the reason we do this four Sunday thing, it's meant to build up, right, to Christmas Eve and then, and then Christmas Day when we celebrate the birth so we can experience a season of waiting like the people of God experience a season of waiting, longing for, longing to see the Messiah. But it didn't just happen in the Old Testament. So if we were going to work this out, right? So Jesus is going to be born here. Uh, since, the fall of cre since the fall of man in creation, uh, the promise was made, and the people of God have been looking forward to the coming Messiah. And so they're looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. Jesus is born. Some shepherds rejoice, right? But the majority of people, still after the birth of Jesus, are missing it, are missing it, are missing it. Jesus begins his public ministry around here. And, and even here, people are longing for a Messiah. In fact, in John chapter 4, Jesus, like with the craziest of people, sits with a Samaritan woman. Right? So of all people, you say, well, it's the people of God that are long. Who are the people of God? Everyone. Because Christ is going to die for everyone. The Samaritan who would be looked down upon, the woman who would look, be looked down upon, Jesus sits with. And listen to what she says. Listen to her heart. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. Now remember, she's had a few husbands. She's got a backstory. Okay? I just want you to remember who he's talking to. But listen to her heart. I know that the Messiah is coming. Who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. They longed for a Savior. Right? They longed for a Savior. So hope is belief that God will. All Scripture, throughout all Scripture, people of God believed that God would eventually bring a Messiah. And then that kind of leads to us. Well, who are we in that story? In that timeline... Right? Jesus is born. Now we're, we're back here now. What are we hoping for? 
Well, as New Testament believers, last point, our hope is in the second coming of Jesus. It's in the second coming of Jesus. So we light a candle that represents hope, not just to remember that Jesus was born, y'all, that's fine, but we actually light a candle to, so that we remember that we too are waiting, right? That we too are waiting for a coming of Jesus. We're just waiting for His second coming. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come. What's that word? Again. I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. Uh, Do you know why last few years has been so hard there's nobody in this room that's been hurting is there there's nobody in this room that's just thought come on there's got to be more than this it's, it's been so hard because in the depths of our being there's a piece of us that God left this way aching for him the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. We know that there's got to be more than this, right? We know that there's got to be more than this stupid rat race, that there's got to be more than just a world full of sickness and hurt, that there's got to be more than a world full of people that will leave us and betray us. There's got to be more to life than this. We know it, but we don't experience it, and we long. I want to tell you that's why we light the candle. Because God knows it too. He put it there. And just as people longed for a Savior to be born, we are longing, we are groaning with creation for a Savior to triumphantly return and to make all things new. That's what Advent is for us. It is speaking verbally. It is teaching our children. It is writing on the doorpost this truth that God loved us so much that He sent a Savior. That Jesus came and lived the life that we couldn't. He died in our place. But He didn't stay dead, y'all. He rose again. He defeated death. We too will defeat death and live forever with God if we put our trust in Him. But then this Jesus said, hey, I'm going now to prepare a place for you. But if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. And I will take you to be with me where I am. And so we wait. We wait for the Lord's return. So what do we do with all that? Right? Well, I want to share a couple verses with you. Before I get to the application, the book of Revelation. I'm borrowing John's glasses if you all think that I'm in. I have two pairs of glasses, right? I have like my typical And then I have a backup pair of emergency readers that are supposed to be with me at all times, and they are not with me at all times. So here we go. I'm reading, if you have your Bibles, from the book of Revelation. I'm going to be in chapter 19 and then in chapter 21. (sighs) Revelation 19, starting in verse 6, says, Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder, saying, Hallelujah! Because of our Lord God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory because of the marriage of the Lamb has come. 
and the bride is prepared for herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure. That's speaking of the church. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, These words of God are true. And then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened up. And there was a white horse, and its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. And he had a name written that no one except himself, uh, no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God. He's going to do away with the wrath of God. Okay? It says, and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. Those that hate tattoos, I love you. Jesus has one when he comes back. Okay, it's on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay? We get another image in Revelation 21, verse 3. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. And y'all, that's why we wait. That's what we're celebrating. That future confidence, Jesus is coming back, and everything's going to be made new. You got a list? Anybody want to write a list of things they'd like new? Right? Anybody? Come on. Come on. Some of my folks, I saw you limping in. Who wants a new knee? Anybody? Anybody need a new hip? Right? Uh, new bank account? You're not going to need that in heaven. Uh, I need some newness. Right? I need a new attitude. I need a new heart. I need a new mind. Right? It's coming. It's coming. And that is why we celebrate. That's what Advent is about. So what do you do with that? Three things. I'll let you go. Number one challenge you to put your hope in Jesus. Hope is future confidence. It's secure. It's, it's not iffy. This is not the Powerball, y'all. It's not a maybe. It's not a maybe. Jesus, he is faithful and true, the Bible says. You've got to put your hope in him. That's your long-term confidence. You've got to put your hope in, in Jesus, that future confidence. After you do that, you've got to live by faith. Faith, if you're thinking about hope, hope, or, hope is always future-oriented. Faith can also be future-oriented, right? So um, I'm saved by the grace of God uh, through faith. Uh, I, I have faith. I, I believe that God really sent his son Jesus. That happened in the past. But I believe that if I confess my sins, that he'll be faithful and just. He'll forgive me of my sins, purify me of all unrighteousness. I'll become a child of God. I'll be adopted into the family of God. So, so that, that faith has, uh, there's a past tense to it. There's a present experience. And there's a future uh, hope in, in that faith. So faith is kind of all-encompassing. Hope is just future-oriented. But because faith is all-encompassing, there's some present effects that faith has 
that, that, that should be based off of my hope. So let me, let me walk you through uh, a guy named Abram that God shows up and speaks to him. You guys remember, Abram was not a follower of God. In fact, he was a pagan man. He was raised in a pagan family. Some of you get me. You know what I'm saying? Right? That's, I, that's your backstory, right? Okay, so uh, that's what happens. So God shows up to him out of the middle of nowhere and says, hey, I'm going to make you a future-oriented promise, right? I will, I will one day, I'm going to make you into the father of many nations. Now, dude, you're already old, right? You ain't got any kids, but I'm going to bring it. Okay, you're going to have him. Uh, so, like, y'all, he's, he's, he's grandpa age already, okay? So he's going to be, like, great-grandpa age by the time the promise comes. But he's grandpa age now, and, and it's like, hey, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And, and so there's, there's a promise that's made that's future-oriented. It's about, and so Abram has hope that God will do what he says. So, so he hopes, he believes that God's going to do that, that future-oriented one-day thing. However, in faith, the Bible says, Abram then got up, not knowing where he was going, and says, I'm in. Right? I'm in. Let's go. So faith, right? He had a future hope. He had a future confidence. But he had faith so much in the future that it affected his present. I'm asking you, do you have faith? Are you living your life different because of the future confidence you have? Because if you're not, then you're not walking in faith. You're not. I don't know what you're walking in. It could be flesh. could be fear. But it's not faith. Faith says, I believe so much in the promises of God that I'm going to change my life now in accordance to those things. That's what faith says, Right? My decisions will be different. My desires will be different. The things that I do are going to be different because of what's coming. Which is kind of like the last point. Application-wise, I think we just need to act like Jesus is coming back. <sighs> Love y'all. I'm one of you, okay? So I'm not yelling at you. But I'm going to get real with you. When I say act like Jesus is coming back, I got some questions. Ready? And, and I, I wrote a little note to myself here. I just said, we've just got to do better. When it comes to acting like Jesus is coming back, we just got to do better, y'all. We're not doing well. So let me ask you some questions, right? How are you doing right now at reaching the lost? Jesus is coming back, going to judge all nations. We just read it in Revelation. So, so like he's actually given us something to do, right? He said, go and be my witnesses. Right? Start out where you are, Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Go be my witnesses. You're my agents of change. Right? I'm going to give you power, Acts 1. Uh, Holy Spirit will come up upon you and give you power to be these witnesses. Uh, a witness just tells what they saw. Just tells what they know. I, I'm not asking you to be a preacher. I'm, I'm not saying that you've got to know all the theology. But like, hey, listen, here's what I know. This is biblical. I used to be blind, but now I see. Right? That's all I know. All I know is I was lost. I had no hope. I was lonely. I thought life was pointless. And Jesus came into my life. Now I have purpose. That's all I know. I'm a witness to that. So I just want to ask, how are you doing there? How? How are you doing? Reaching the lost. How, how, what, what about the unchurch? Not even lost. Some of them are followers of Jesus. I meet them all the time. I do these funerals all the time. People always come, oh, that means so much to me. Oh, I really do love the Lord. I haven't been in church in 30 years. How are you making it? I'm not good enough to do that, y'all. 
I'm not. And that flame will be snuffed out in me. I, I need community. Just look at those people. So how, how are you doing at reaching the lost? How are you doing at reaching the unchurched? I asked you um, through like three weeks ago, uh, how many of you were, had begun praying for your neighbors? It's like 3% of the church. As we build a new building, we're going to go over there today. We're going to pray in that building that we would reach a community. Uh, like that starts with you. It just does. So hopefully this morning, I'm going to ask again. Have y'all noticed I'm going to keep asking? Like, are y'all picking up on that? Or okay. So how many of you now have started regularly praying for your neighbors? Let's show of hands. That's better. It's better. That's way better than 3%, but we ain't there yet. We've got a ways to go, right? Praying for the lost. That, that's the best thing you could do is pray. I, I guarantee if you pray brokenhearted for lost people on a regular basis, people surround you, you just pray. You weep before God. God, I don't want anyone to go to hell. I've read about it. It's horrible, Lord. Please, God, save them. If you pray like that every day, like, it'll change you. Like, you'll care about people suddenly. Like, they used to frustrate you. Now you're like, oh, God, save them. You start weeping over everybody. It's fine. It's fine. Do it. Who cares if they think you're weird? Do it. How are you making disciples? Not just reaching the lost, but then building relationships with the lost and saying, hey, can I show you what I learned in the Bible that involves community? Hey, here's what I'm studying. Right, what are you studying? Like, hey, what do you think about this? It's making disciples. It's just teaching them everything that I've commanded you, the Lord says. That's part of the commission. Right? All begins with prayer. All begins with prayer. So, uh, here's what I want to tell you. I uh, came to me this morning as I was praying um, about this message. Uh, <laughs> you are the right people. You are. We're the right people for what's about to happen. We are. We, we, don't, we don't live like it yet. We're getting there. But we are, like, listen. <laughs> Do y'all remember the book of Esther? There's one phrase in the book of Esther. Say, like, I could preach the whole book of Esther in one phrase. You guys know it, right? It is, for such a time as this. You are here for a reason. For such a time as this. God has placed you where you are. He wants to use you for such a time as this. So let him use you. Let him use you. We need to act like Jesus is coming back. So, um, we light a candle. Because Jesus is our hope. Because he is coming back because we need to live like it and act like it. So, uh, the first candle um, is a purple candle, y'all. Um, the second candle is also a purple candle. The third candle, which I will mess up when we get here in, in two you know, two weeks from now, is, all, is a pink candle, okay? So just know, why am I weird? These are not my glasses. Everything's fuzzy. Okay, all right. So we're going to light this candle, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to try to focus our hearts on what future hope means and how that should change my walk right now today, okay? All right, let's do that. Um, Father, as we light this first candle of Advent, the candle of hope, I pray that you would secure in us such a deep belief that you are coming back and that you have, you have called us for such a time as this to be your instruments here, to be your light here, that our lives would radically be shifted and changed, that our focus would radically be shifted and changed. 
And God, that as you use us to serve and love this community, oh, we would understand that that's what life is really all about. Jesus, we put our hope in you. We know that you're coming back. And we pray, God, that you would help us make the changes we need to live like you're coming back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.